Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Here to talk all things Arsenal is your host, Matthew Wade. Hello again, listeners, and welcome to another Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. It's quite a chipper Daily Canon Weekly Podcast this week because for the first time in a while, Arsenal have had two wins in the space of a week and two very good wins against decent sides. Uh, Possibly getting getting two wins out of the two games is somewhat unexpected given the fixture pile up, but very pleasing nonetheless, despite some interesting moments along the way. So, uh, but joining me to in, uh, to well celebrate this fact and, and as a reward for all the misery uh, she had to sit through when we were discussing the fixtures over the, the depth of winter, shall we say, both emo- emotionally and weatherwise, is Anita Sambol. How are you, Anita? Hello, hello. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm not sure why, why did you hesitate to say to celebrate two wins because one was a bit not so <laughs> you know, great, but the last one was really awesome. Well, I, I think, I mean, both were worthy of celebration, but the, the Benfica game was, shall we say, more of an emotional journey. <laughs> <laughs> it was That's quite tiring. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get that feeling in general uh, on social media uh, because that that's all we can hang out now <laughs> these days. That's true. Uh, that uh, like these these kind of wins are not as much celebrated as they used to be. Maybe because you know we had some like. Uh, good and bad moments that they are exchanging and then you think uh, is the process you know the, the ever popular process actually working or is it just a, a a temporary form or was it really that good of a match and did we get lucky i mean it's just a massive mix of emotion emotions and i'm really sad that we i don't get to see you know that much of celebration and perhaps it well, would be that, with with fans instead i mean i think it's also partly that thing, as you say, you know, we're all only able to engage with each other by proxy for the most part, um, or you know, via the electric me- medium, and therefore there's that always dulls the level of celebration because you haven't had that shared emotional experience in real time with real people, you know, unless maybe you're doing a watch along with friends, but not that many people do that on the whole. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're kind of it, it gives you that tiny bit of remove. Um, but it's also the fact, I think, particularly the Benfica game, was a game that I guess most fans probably came out of it thinking we should have coasted that if it wasn't for our own dumb fuckery. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read on the Arsenal blog uh, side, he said that uh, Arsenal beat Arsenal and Benfica. I think that that was really a good summation because... It was like, in so many matches we have to beat ourselves first and the other teams. <laughs> it's really well. It was also this, fact, this one was perfect for that. Yeah, and the fact that Benfica are a team that we're used to them being this dangerous European team that always slightly underachieves but always beats someone good along the way, and and this Benfica team is not as strong at the moment. And ultimately, what we just about beat them, and you know, the very late winner, uh, despite scoring goals in both legs uh you know against a team who basically well basically scored a penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty Mm -hmm. scored a a free kick from an absolute wonder free kick from a guy who's barely scored in his career before (laughs) 
uh, his first goal for Benfica. You know, this is the standard Arsenal. Here's your first goal. Um, um, and then, obviously, the uh, spectacular defensive calamity for Benfica's other goal. It feels like, like basically, we were on top for almost the entire time and we nearly lost um, to a team that basically yeah. created nothing. <laughs> yeah, that was, this is games. really frustrating. I mean, we should have won the first leg. Mm, mm, with that. I mean, we were a much better team and some really bad chances got missed. I mean, that was really frustrating. And then this one and started so well with the goal and everything. We looked all over them. You know, we, they didn't create much at all. But And then right when you are ending the, the half, I, mean, I think it might be the worst time to concede a goal, if not in the injury time of the <laughs> second yeah. half. But I mean... When you are on the, on top and, and Obama Young scored, uh, it was he, he was slightly offside, uh, mm-hmm. which was fairly uh, taken back. But and then on the other side, they score from a, as you said, wonder free kick. That is like seriously, why why is this happening to us? Is this going to be another one? And then you start second half a bit more brightly focused, going out and trying to get the win because you know you have to score goals and you have to go through to basically to save the season as they say mm. so so many <laughs> so many said that and i'm sure both players and Arteta especially were aware of that and then you consider goal after that's just a silly 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 mistake although uh great stuff that uh, leno was smarter this time yeah. <laughs> and didn't get sent off <laughs> just go with it yeah and I, I was really, I just thought, oh, this is it, this is done. I, I was on, on the phone with my dad. He was just yeah. calling during the match. And while we were speaking, we conceded the goal, the second goal. And so, <laughs> I was just, you know, let's talk about the weather. How's the weather going? <laughs> and then before we ended the conversation, uh, Tierney went on and scored that really fantastic goal. And I think part of the, the weird emotional experience of it is also because then after Tierney scored, we think, right, we're going to go. And, and then not a lot happened. <laughs> it felt like it, felt like, uh, it wasn't going to happen because normally when you get a goal like that, it's momentum time. And we didn't really, yeah. you know, we were in control and probing, but we didn't really, it's not like we were barraging. It. So yeah, exactly. it, it, didn't, it didn't feel like it was going to happen. Um, so, as you say, that late winner should have been more of a moment of elation, but I suppose it's tempered by the fact that we're thinking, fuck, we should have beaten these guys ages ago. <laughs> like they didn't even play well. I mean, they were better in the second True. leg because they were, they'd obviously adjusted their tactics slightly to, to have more control in midfield. But, um, but I have to admit, I... <laughs> I, I did very much enjoy the winning goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that definitely was a bit of a mix of uh, relief and pure joy that we are definitely going through winning this match. And yeah, well, it's also, season, as they say. it's also that, uh, as we've discussed before, there's something about Portuguese football and Portuguese teams. Like, it's really hard to like. For most people. Don't get don't get me started. I mean, <laughs> I have been a, a bit of a hater of uh, Portugal national team and their style since they kicked Croatia out uh, in the Euros in Portugal. <laughs> Basically, dulled the match. Don't hold, don't, don't hold a grudge then. 
I mean, it, they 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 won one nil. Okay, great. I think Pepe scored or something like that in uh, uh, extra time in what one hundred and eighteenth minute or something like that. You yeah. know, nothing exactly happened. And then it seems like, as you said, their their teams and sometimes we see that with Wolves as well. Yes. I mean, it just that style that oh. Yeah, not not my kind of cup of tea. Although, so although I will say that uh, actually Benfica were considerably less cheaty than a lot of the Portuguese players we've seen playing in England this season. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that like that's like true. they I got mean... a crap. They got a like a bullshit penalty, but that wasn't them cheating. That was just the ref having a mo- had a moment. Then VAR didn't didn't have the courage to challenge him. Um, yeah. But um, anyway, we won't go down that route. Um, <laughs> So I'm mean, okay. Well, going a little bit deeper into the game, uh, as you said, you know we got that early goal and we're really on top in in the second leg, and it felt it felt like this is going to happen. It's going to be relatively comfortable, and mm-hmm. then uh, but then we didn't quite capitalise on that. I don't know. Benfica had changed the way they were playing slightly, but we also sort of seemed to lack that cutting edge. You know, we were struggling to control the game in their half as much as we did in the first leg. I think. Yeah, the the last pass was kind of lacking and missing, and it didn't. I can't remember really so many clear clear cut chances besides that that uh, Aubameyang goal that was then uh, uh, ruled offside. Mm. Yeah, and, and I mean, Chaka and Ceballos. I really hope that it would work. It it looked like it might work, but Ceballos looked really a bit off during the, the whole match, and obviously the the mistakes didn't help as well yeah and, and, and I actually thought that I think I tweeted at the time is that uh, Granite Xhaka is very quietly having a slightly crap game <laughs> because like his form has been you know since his, since he nearly managed to get himself kicked out of the club again with another stupid red card his form has been basically pretty good 90% yeah, of the game true. since then pretty good to very good um, but I thought he was a bit of, uh, it was partly because Benfica put more people in midfield and therefore had more combination playing midfield, so he was less able to be as effective as a destructive player. It also gave him less time on the ball. But I, I thought like he wasn't like bad, but he didn't really do anything good either in the ben- in the Benfica game. He was just kind of there, like six yeah. out of ten, maybe you know, maybe seven out of ten if you give generous ratings. But that's you know. Um, so I think yeah, the midfield was a bit of a problem, but and I think it was partly because they were outmanned, but also. You just notice when parties in the team, the ball just moves fast and forward quicker. Because yeah. Tobias, like Tobias, you know, gets the ball, beats a man. He can't accelerate away from the man very often, like not really leave him behind. So then he tends to either have to beat a man again, or he takes three touches and then puts a pass. You know, when when Tobias plays quickly, he's a really good midfielder, but he's just got this addiction to kind of wanting to really have the ball for slightly longer than you're going to have time for at the elite level. And or, or he does that thing, which I saw him do a, f- a few times in this game, which really annoys me. And not because <laughs> it's not there's anything really wrong with it, but it's just it doesn't work in this team, which he does that thing where he runs towards a teammate with the ball and then gives them a ball in a possession, a position where all they can do is give the ball back to him. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, his passes. Yeah, he's run closer to them to do that. So now, <laughs> so now he's got the ball, 
back off them with slightly less of an angle than he had before he'd started running towards him in the first place. Yeah. And it's, and, it, and, and it's fine if you've got like this real kind of tick attacker type team where you've got one or two players that do that and just, or you've got, or that player is like the dominant playmaker in a mediocre team. Then both those situations can work. But in this team, it's a bit, it just kind of gets in the way a little bit. And it's frustrating because he's so much better when he doesn't do that. <laughs> Uh, and we see the difference when parties in the team. The ball just like once he's got the wins the ball back, the ball just starts moving forward, and that's yeah, yeah. exactly. That's that's what we have been missing. I mean, we have talked about that <laughs> at length on this on this podcast since he signed. And yeah, definitely, I didn't expect him to fit in that well and uh, just be the solution to all our problems. But yeah, definitely. I mean, he had a few off matches when he was recovering from from injury and all that but right now he definitely looks ready and to you know to continue where he left off before the injury yeah and i think the, the thing about thomas party is because he has you know he's strong and he's athletic and he's a good ball winner like even if he's having a game where he is he isn't really playing that well you know his passing's a bit off or he's not necessarily positionally perfect he's still got like enough like for free as i call it like like that he's still not going to be a problem he might not help but he's mm -hmm. not going to be a problem because at the very worst he's going to be able to you know provide some defensive cover and keep the ball moving you know even if he's having because there was a game what a few, few a couple about a month ago wasn't there where He just couldn't pass to a teammate. Yeah. And United yeah, exactly. I, can't remember. I think so. Yeah, yeah. when he was he was pissed. <laughs> yeah, like every second pass, like he was trying to do the usual like ambitious passes and they just yeah. touch or not going. So in the final third of that or the the last part of the time he, you know in that game where he was involved, he he just sort of made a decision like okay, I'm just going to play super simple. I'm just going to stand here, I'm going to win the ball back. And just give it to someone else whose passing is working better than me. <laughs> But they're at the office, yeah. I remember. But, that. but most players don't have like a, a more one dimensional. So, therefore, if a key part of their game is not working, the whole thing mm. falls over. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we had the midfield. But obviously, there was, for me, I think there's also the issue that Smith Rowe and Erdegaard as a combo, particularly Smith Rowe on the left, didn't really work in this game. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like. I mean, at the moment, I thought maybe with that, with what Arteta was saying, how he had has to rotate players and you know rest the youngsters a bit and all. I thought that maybe maybe it's that, but it definitely seems like the left side is not not for him. Well, I I think it's also a balance thing, isn't it? It's the fact that uh, you know Abamyang's an out and out scorer. Bang, that's what he does. But. Mm. Odegaard is very much a passing midfielder, not going to get you a lot of goals, doesn't get into the box really. Saka will get into the box, but he seems to have been taking on more of a creative role, you know, particularly in, in that game where he got the two. <laughs> And Smith Rowe is a kind of, he can get into the box, but he seems more comfortable doing that from the central area. Um, yeah. And, and also, he, you know, he. He is primarily a continuity player, stroke creator rather than a scorer. And so I think it's the balance is just slightly wrong with that trio, um, unless you're maybe playing a, a central midfielder more like Aaron Ramsey, who's less about possession and more about off the ball movement. So I think it's, you know, I think we'll, whatever the long term 
solution is. I think we'll end up with something more akin to two 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 like more gen more goal threats and two more creative players. I think that will be how that front four will work best. And whether that's be Pepe on Pepe on the left depends partly on what on who's playing on the left in the left fullback, but or whether it be Martinelli eventually, I think maybe maybe the option we might see is a more immediate choice in that because of there's a topic in that for later on. <laughs> that for later on. Um, but yeah, so I mean, obviously, as, as we're sort of running through the game, Benfica got their free kick, a, a, a slightly needed one by Tobias. I can see where I made the tackle, but he made the tackle because he wasn't quite, he was too deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the play was going up from Benfica, and therefore there were there were talks that oh he didn't touch him, it shouldn't be a uh, free kick or anything. But I mean, you don't even get you don't even supposed to get give the referee a chance to give that as a as a free kick. And I think, and I personally thought it was a free kick. I think you know, regardless of how I much thought so too, yeah, yeah. I mean, there may not have been that much contact, but it still impeded the guy from the guy couldn't have kept his yeah. progress with mm. his leg there. <laughs> he was a bit rolling on the floor afterwards. Yeah. It wasn't that uh, bad. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's Portuguese. Exactly, game, Portugal. So. <laughs> uh, no offence any listeners in Portugal. Honest. <laughs> um, we love you since ever since Luis Boamorte. But, uh, <laughs> and obviously some bloke who's, as I say, has never scored for Benfica before in a year. Spent who's playing at wing back, twats one into the top corner like a rocket from 25 yards out. I mean, it, it was just a really <laughs> perfect, perfect free kick. You can't, uh, oh, I'm not sure if will he ever score that, that kind of free kick in his what? career. I don't know, I mean, <laughs> no evidence of it before, but maybe he's suddenly discovered a new talent. But <laughs> one of those, but it felt, yeah, like- yeah, maybe, maybe they will now use him for all the free kicks, like we use Jack or David Lewis because once they scored something, yeah, yeah, the David Lewis special. <laughs> may not remember this, but when when I was 18, I did this in, but um, <laughs> it felt like a slight unreal moment, didn't it? Because again. Up yeah. until that point, Benfica had, had created the square root of sweet FA, apart from a couple of times when they tried to play Surfitch, Sir, uh, Sir Sir what what's the Swiss striker's name? I've temporarily forgotten how to say it. Anyway. Seferovic. Seferovic, thank you, bloody hell. Because uh, they decided to start with him rather than Darwin Nunes this time. And they kept, like, there's a couple of times where they nearly played him through, but forgot he's really slow. <laughs> uh, so they played what would have been a really good through ball to a completely different player um, but yeah that was their like first shot of any significance at all uh, which was really lucky for us that he was slow I mean because I think that Gabriel really has had a few off matches recently and David Lewis wasn't on his best that in that match did you notice there was a short period in the game where Louise was playing on the left and Gabriel was playing on the right <laughs> I was like, trying something new. I was like, guys, this is not the time for experimentation. <laughs> it only went on for about five or ten minutes, but it was kind of like, what? Seriously? <laughs> what? what, what, what <laughs> um, but yeah, Benfica. So Benfica scored with their first notable anything, uh, and mm-hmm. it, it didn't feel like it had really happened. Like for me, like I didn't know it was a goal until like a second later. I had that sort of pause of. <laughs> But they 
<laughs> they haven't even tried to score. Yeah. And they're scoring. Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously that was just before half time and the second half just perfect timing, yeah. Yeah. But we we came out in the second half again, the pattern of play was still that we were controlling things and looking like we would wear them down and probably score. We were kind of getting into good positions, although it wasn't quite happening. And then in a, in a famous old Arsenal tradition from an Arsenal corner. We've never seen that before, honest. Um, Danny Sabayas did his Mustafi tribute act. Oh, yeah, yeah I mean, that is just... Like, what else can he do wrong that on that day? <laughs> Maybe score an own goal or something. It's just one of those. Well, it was also... Yeah, it was just such a strange decision, wasn't it? Because he, he sort of... Other than just leaving the ball, he did like the only thing that could have turned out that badly. Um, <laughs> it's it's like he'd he'd temper he'd like he'd forgotten the guy was there. He, like either he didn't know the guy was there, even though he appeared to be reacting because the guy was there, or he didn't know where he was on the pitch because the back header was like it was never going to get to Leno. Mm, like exactly. the, to get a back header to the keeper from there, you've got to put some welly on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Or some head on it. Momentarily brain fart for Danny yeah. And of course, Danny And Tavares. then Arteta goes and puts Villian on. I was thinking, okay, I give up. <laughs> this is it. Certainly, Twitter agreed. <laughs> and I did comment. It, yeah. did, it, did, it did seem a little bit like he was trolling us at that point. <laughs> um, but but I think I, I think I think as I wrote at the time, you know, this better bloody work or Arteta's going to take so much heat for this because he can't keep investing like he can't keep yeah. investing in this player and this player not keep on delivering and to do it in this moment in this game. I mean, it's ballsy. <laughs> it is definitely it is. Yeah, I think that the, Stephen mentioned that in his video analysis of of the match that. Uh, Definitely massive cojones on Arteta for <laughs> going with that. And it paid off. I mean Sort of, just, yeah, yeah. A few minutes few minutes later. Yeah, I mean it wasn't it wasn't a, a difficult assist, but it was an intelligent assist. I mean not the one yeah. we expected to be an assist from that position, but it was Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I noticed actually both in the last three games, William has actually uh, he, he's got a he seems to be trying a bit harder and yeah, covering more true. ground. And of course, when you cover ground, sprinting, yeah, yeah, like rather than doing what he was doing over Christmas, where he was sort of going out for a gentle, gen- a gentle promenade after lunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to work this off. There we go, working off his roast dinner. But no, he was actually running around a bit. And... His body language is better, as they'd say. Oh yes, oh yeah, she's <laughs> meme central here tonight. <laughs> Yeah, all the buzzwords. I'm, I'm waiting for wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bingo. Uh, <laughs> uh, but obviously, yeah, he plays the cutback to um, Tierney, who basically seems like seems like fuck this for a game of soldiers and just kind of you know <laughs> smashes it. Oh, I mean, yeah. the uh, celebration was just <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we we are down, we are losing, but we can still win this much. There's there's still a lot to play, and come on, come on. There, there, there was a pleasing amount of anger in it. 
<laughs> come on, you bastards. You're not going to do it. I'll do it. Come on now, pull your bloody finger out. That's how it came across, you know. Um, I can totally imagine him saying that, actually, you know, yelling at, at his teammates, <laughs> something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. He did, Good motivator. He did, he did not seem best pleased with those, those, those around him at that moment in time. <laughs> Um, but of course, you know, his ability to express himself in the way that so many fans feel is always something that's going to uh, lend himself to our affections. Um, and then just as you're expecting, right, okay, we're back in it, we've got 20 odd minutes left, we're going to throw everything at them. And then we didn't really. Yeah. It was really getting slow and then... <laughs> It wasn't really happening, and we started thinking, "Oh, it's gonna be one of those nights, almost, almost nights, almost there." I think that we played against Bayern something like that all those years ago when we had they beat us at Emirates two one. Yeah, or it was one of our and... one of our wonderful away goals defeats. Yeah, that yeah, we yeah, grew to love so much. We were also very close, and yeah, shades of that. <laughs> Will it happen? Will won't it happen? Then uh, Arteta was. I think he he subbed yeah Bellerin took yeah. Bellerin off and put Lacazette and then he, he, he moved Saka. He does he does love taking off a fullback for an attacker and moving Saka into anywhere where it's now not hasn't got anyone playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like the the guy is playing so well. He he already had an assist and now we are pulling him further back and putting Lacazette on and just yeah it, it seemed like. Will, will it happen? Won't it happen? I wasn't too optimistic. <laughs> no. Well, I think that's explained some of the emotional that you were talking about before, is that, you know, it, it felt like Arteta got lucky on this one because <laughs> cause for about 10 minutes, you know, we, it was like, it was, it was like uh, going back to Christmas or even, then, or even under Emery where the, our midfield and our attack were so far apart and there was no one and there was, wasn't really because Erdegaard was then pushed slightly wider to the right, so there wasn't really anyone picking up the ball in that area. Yeah. And so there was like 30 yards between our midfielders and our and our strikers. And it, it was looking quite easy for Benfica. Um, mm. But slowly, about I'd say about in the last five, six, seven minutes, we started to kind of get some pattern going. Again, not anything to make you think it was imminent, but at least you thought, okay, the, the players have after 10 minutes, they've sort of worked out how they're going to try and do what they're going to try and do with this now. And I th- I didn't think we'd, we'd score, but I thought we might get a chance. Um, and we certainly did. Luckily, Obama Young had his shooting boots on and remembered that he can definitely score <laughs> because he has. Been, he looked like he's struggling to score, but yeah, in the last few matches, definitely much, much better. Or in this case, he's shooting head. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like Wurzel Gummidge. Uh, put like <laughs> um, I mean, Saka's assist was just... Delish. Inch perfect yeah. on the platter. Something that Aubameyang hasn't scored in the first leg. Touche. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, actually, both assists were quite Urzel in style. Mm. Like, you know, mm. that kind of deep uh, reverse pass from slightly deeper in... in, in than you think when you see it again. He's slightly further out when he plays the reverse pass for the opening goal. And then that cross, that in-swinging, curling cross to the back post. A uh, bit reminiscent of sort of Ozil popping onto Sanchez's head. 
mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's a good reference. And it was so, I mean, it was such a great cross, but literally, I mean, we, we you know, we all know Bamiyan's movement in the box is like his superpower. And so all he had to do is basically get there and not completely fuck it up. But it, <laughs> but it was such a perfect cross because it was just beyond where the goalkeeper could get possibly get to and just pass the defender. And as long as there was someone getting there, there was always going to be a good chance. And uh, a very pleasing moment, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see how Odegaard enjoyed it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just uh, fantastic. Everyone yeah. up there celebrating on the Bamiyang and he's just dropped on on his knees. Yeah, that's just... it's, it's also a bit of a Real Madrid thing because <laughs> da- Danny Ceballos loves that one as well, doesn't he? The kind of platoon celebration. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. dropping to the knees with your arms out. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, unlike Willem Dafoe, they don't get shot, so that's always good. Yeah. Um, And then, and also, it totally broke Benfica. You know, there were certain team games against certain other teams in the past where you'd be thinking, "Okay, shit, we've just got to not let one in the next five minutes." <laughs> <laughs> But it didn't really feel like that in this particular occasion. Yeah, which true. was nice and made the last few <laughs> minutes change. a lot less stressful than I thought they were going to be. <laughs> so I was happy about that. Yeah, that's true. Definitely, but I think both Arteta and Ceballos should be very thankful for Saka. <laughs> well, I did, Arteta did big him up in the in the press conference, you know, particularly referring to the fact that Saka basically played every game and is absolutely knackered, but it's mm. still still got the ability to make it make the difference. Um, He was rewarded with the rest. Yes. Yeah. The weekend. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Which I think we all called that one as being a likely outcome. <laughs> Like when when you're looking tired and your manager publicly tells the world world that you're knackered, um, yeah. you know if you've got other options, you should always expect a bit of rotation there. So obviously, relatively soon after that, they got the draw, <laughs> and turns out having we're going back to the same stadium again. Yeah, against the the team that kicked us out last season. Yeah, um, fun. Uh, it's narrative tactic, as they say. <laughs> it's always either Bayern or Olympiacos. I mean, anyway. Well, I think they, I, th- I think was it Albino posted a stat. I think like in the last eleven seasons, we've played Olympiacos seven in seven different ties. Like, <laughs> or I've had the well, except in the group stage. So we've had them in about seven years out of the last eleven seasons, and so we've probably yeah. played each other actually about twenty times in that. Yeah, I think that there was some start saying that they have more wins at the Emirates than some Premier League teams, something like that. Yeah, that's very probably true. Yeah, yeah. really makes me confident and everything. <laughs> But on the flip side, we've got more wins at their stadium than most of their domestic opponents. In fact, we've got more, <laughs> we've, we've got more wins at their stadium in the last uh, in the last thirteen months, in the last twelve months, than most of their that's domestic true. opponents. That's so, true. <laughs> even if one of them was against a different team. I mean, and you have to think of that we used to play them in, in group stages in, in Champions League. when Every bloody year was, for a while. Yeah, it was like last match when we were already qualified and when Ger put is out Is it going to be Olympiakos or Fenerbahce? Which one is it this time? <laughs> <laughs> Until we stop being as good and then we do always be, is it going to be Bayern Munich or Barcelona? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Champions League. But uh, how are you feeling about the tie? You know, knowing that obviously 
they're going to be feeling quite confident having knocked us out last year. Well, good. Maybe <laughs> have them feel confident. I don't mind that at all. Maybe they will you know, underestimate us a bit. <laughs> I think that we will definitely take this one really, really seriously. I mean, we have seen that with Benfica now, with mm. players being rested for Premier League to be fit for, for the Europa League. And I think that, as already said, Arteta and, both, and players both know that this is a way to save the season and it's very, very, very important. I think that I haven't really looked how they are standing in the in the league and the, their form and all of that. But I'm slightly a bit more confident about the, this one than if we got some something, someone like, I don't know, uh, Milan or you know someone like that. Well, in answer to your question, uh, Olympiakos are, as per usual, absolutely shitting over the Greek league. <laughs> <laughs> um, but their, their one loss of the season was uh, three games ago. Um, mm-hmm. but... On the decline. <laughs> 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 but then I think they promptly won the next two games. So uh, they've got... I mean, is that even a, a good measure for for that well uh, they've got 61 points after 24 games with a, with a plus 46 goal difference <laughs> so basically that they're, they're like 14 points ahead of the nearest team in greece and uh, and have a, m- almost double uh the next best team's goal difference in terms of goal difference so yeah, i mean um, but you know i i think that uh like when people ask uh, the dinamo have chance against spurs hmm can they do something maybe kick kick them out or so i mean you also go and look at the table okay it's not that much big of a difference much better goal because the league creation league is a bit more tight this season for for yeah. some reason dinamo had uh they are unbeaten in europa league i think and they haven't conceded a goal in last in six or seven seven matches in the europa league at all so they are looking really good but still i wouldn't say that they have a good chance to kick Spurs out. Even though Spurs are struggling in the league, just like we are, uh, it's still, I think that they are still a bit, you know, better team, more experienced and all that, that they would need to wisely, uh, uh, I can't remember the word now, <laughs> mm. Under underestimate, is that for, yeah, mm. the Dynamo team in order to, to lose. And, that's kind of what I'm feeling with Olympiakos now as, as well. I mean, I think Olympiakos are slightly more dangerous than Dynamo because oh, oh, they've, yeah. they've got slightly more European experience in terms of getting beyond like the early stages of European competition. But also, they've got some experienced players in their squad. Like, I think, does Val Buena still play for them? Hmm. Um, I'll have to look. I may have just, I may have just made that up, listeners. Uh, <laughs> if he does, he'll definitely score. You know that. <laughs> Thanks for that, Anita. <laughs> um, oh, someone outside is very excited. Anyway, <laughs> if, if I hope you're enjoying that laughter from the street listeners, uh, the Olympiacos squad at the moment. Let's have a quick look. Uh, oh well, of course it's. That's the other narrative point. How could I have forgotten? It's the the vengeance of Socrates. Mm. Yeah. Oh my! God. I also forgot about Socrates. <laughs> um, yeah, Mal- Valbuena is there. That uh, still there. Um, and they've got uh, 
the Arsenal transfer rumour fans of the past will remember Jan Mvilla, the French oh. midfielder that we were linked to every year for about four years. <laughs> uh, we've got Jose Holabas, who some of you may remember, who I think uh, who was last seen at Watford. And uh, Bruma, who's an interesting player, a winger. He's on loan from PSV, apparently. He's, he's some young sporting Lisbon wonder kid, I think, but but has ended up playing for RB Leipzig. Play, ended up playing for like about four different teams. Really talented, totally inconsistent in every way. Uh, probably plays really well, sort of once in a once every like, five or six games. And uh, we know when. Well, to show. <laughs> And of course, last year, you know, um, Maddie Camera was very impressive for them against us. So I'm yeah. sure people remember him. And their man mountain at the back, uh, uh, Usainu Bar, who's the ab- absolute giant. Uh, so there's no point trying to play uh, too many aerial balls into their box with him on the scene. Um, and they've got, yeah. of course, the bloke who scored the winner for them late on, Moroccan international Youssef Al Arabi. Uh, so mm-hmm. they've got so they've got some players with some pedigree. Um, I mean, they're, they're fortunate they're creative midfielders. One of those players that looks looks like a genius in Greece, but just struggles to take the next level up in terms of his performance. But they, you know, there is some danger there. But as you say, if we play to the level we aspire to play, we should be fine. <laughs> we should yeah, be fine. What is that? Is that in two weeks? I think the first the first leg is uh, a week tomorrow or a week today by the time people listen to this, I think. I think it's the 11th. Is that right? I think oh. so. Yeah, I, I think that one is on the 18th. I'm not, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. If so it's, it's, it's the 11th. And the eight, so the away leg uh, is on the uh, 11th, 11th and the home at 8 o'clock. And then we've got one of our lovely 5.55 kickoffs in the home game on Thursday the 18th of March. Not so very long after the North London derby. But anyway, yeah. we'll save that particular topic for another day. So, we got through the Europa League. Hooray! Yeah, we're still in it. <laughs> uh, and then we went up to Leicester City with a much-changed team. Oh, How yeah. were you feeling about this before it happened? I did. I wasn't expecting much. I mean, Leicester have been looking really well. They were third in in the league. Uh, they looked like a really good team. And there's there's always Jamie Vardy, nightmares <laughs> from him. Jamie Vardy. <laughs> and then when the the lineups came out, I think I, I was I was ranting to my husband. Look at this. How how is this happening? What kind of lineup is it? I know rotation, blah blah blah, or that has to happen. But then, <laughs> this is slow. This is slow. Chakal uh, Nani. I mean, how will this work? They will just, you know, kill us. This won't work. No, no way. This won't happen. Then Villian starts. Ugh. Even though he had a really good end of the match against Benfica, but you know, still not too confident about him. Mm. And it, I was really not pleased with that with that lineup. I think that many shared the the feeling <laughs> <laughs> i mean we, we did sort of seem to go for the tactic of picking our slowest possible first 11 <laughs> <laughs> which is why it's sort of really surprising how effectively it panned out i mean obviously pepe's not particularly slow but you know cedric's not as quick as bellerin uh, pablo marie is not known yeah. for his speed off the mark 
as we saw a little bit on the first goal, which we'll get on to. Obviously, Jacques and Elneny, they're not great at covering ground at speed. And William and even Lacazette are not what you'd call quick players. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess like I sort of just looking, looking at it as a bit of a free hit, really, you know. And, and I thought that might work in our favour. Because like having a free hit against Man City isn't a free hit because Man City make us their bitch, except in the cup competitions. And also Man City at the moment are the best form they've been in in about two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, w- I, I went into that one expecting a defeat. But in this game, I was kind of like, well, Madison is not playing and he always gives us trouble. And uh, they've got the young kid at left back. So I thought, OK, this isn't... Leicester at their best so I thought I sort of sort of thinking it might we might get a draw that's the way I was looking at mm. it I, I figured that, that would have been a good result when you, I mean you look at their position and all that you mentioned and playing away and all that a draw would be something I would definitely signed before. well that's funny isn't it because we sort of were all looking at this game in trepidation but of course when we played them at our place yeah they got the win but we were Firstly, robbed by the officials in a in a, in a really pathetic way, but also like we, we, you know, we shit all over them for most of the game. We should have won that yeah. game by about five goals, and, and somehow contrived to lose. So, you know, it's a bit like what the year that Leicester won the league. We beat them twice. You know, mm-hmm. this is not a team that we should be frightened of. And ultimately, though they're functioning very well, they've got some very good players. You know, as long as we're not playing like shit, we should expect to be able to, you know, hold them at least to, to a draw. And, you know, given the quality of the, the respective options, even with our changed lineup, um, if those players in the changed lineup play to the level we should be able to expect from them. <laughs> um, and of course, it started really well, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we just don't do it easy. I mean, it's like I was, as I said, frustrated with the with the lineup and everything that was uh, rotated and slow and all of that and Villian and not playing, not giving minutes to Martinelli and Ketia and uh, Reese Nelson, not to even mention him. And then the the first goal is just like. <sighs> Is this happening again? What was it six or seven minutes? So yeah, yeah, just really stupid, stupid goal. I mean, I wouldn't blame Jaka because I mean it was a really not well done pass, and he should have known better. But it was basically at the center point of the pitch. There was still plenty of time to catch. Uh, Tillemans, I think it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. To catch him, obviously not Chaka because, as you mentioned already, he's slow. <laughs> he wouldn't be able to, you know, match his pace. But you had all all the defenders there and uh, El Nelly in the midfield, and at the the moment you they were all looking like there were three of them surrounding Leno. Yeah, yeah. Tillemans was just running. Run away! Run away! <laughs> it was like, where are you going? I mean, obviously they had. They, was, they were worried about the Vardy. <laughs> they were worried about Vardy because we all know yeah, Vardy yeah. and how he is against us, and I mean many other teams, but against us in particular. So I guess they were they were trying to you know stop him from scoring goals. Goal, but 
it's just you don't need to have three players there. Luis and Mari should have handled him. Uh, I'll think, I think I think I blame to put it like that El Neni the most here. I think that he had plenty of time to catch up and you know just be there. Like uh, you don't have to tackle a player or something. Just you know make them make him think. Maybe pass to another player or something that like just you know be there, be closer. And then he was just you know running in a straight line towards the goal. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, it was a combination of him retreating to his defence rather than going towards the player, and then Pablo Marie running away from the player towards his own goal. And it's like, well, one of you's got to try and at least slow him down because otherwise, even if you're all marking Vardy, all, all Vardy do, has to do is make a good run and it's and you're still wasting your time. You know, <laughs> Vardy can get past you to the near post. It's still, you know. And of course, it was it was a great finish from Tielemans. So he's a, you know, a... That's true, yeah. A, you know, he's a player I've liked for a long time. Uh, I don't know if he's got quite quite the physicality for the, for the absolute top level, but, you know, I remember seeing him as a 16-year-old for Anderlecht and being like, this guy's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, a bit worse. And then he's, that's, that's, that you know, the fact that they score so early and the nature of the goal, and as you say, the lineup. I can't imagine. I, I, I didn't. I wasn't on social media, but I can't imagine the atmosphere was full of optimism. <laughs> did you, did you yeah. spot any, any green shoots on social media, or was everyone totally doom and gloom? <laughs> I think that there were some tweets saying, like, relax, we still have plenty of time to play for this. I wasn't online that much. My sister was, was over and we were watching together. So I was discussing with her and she was like, also, what's the problem? Why is Arsenal like that? <laughs> Why can't you focus and play better? And yeah, I mean, doom and gloom, but I think that the yeah, the, the fact that it was a bit earlier and how the match then started developing and we saw that we are definitely all over them and playing a bit much better than they are and it gave people a bit more confidence and I think players as well. So, Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, we probably should have scored before we did. Not that we had like any sitters or anything, but you know, just the possession and the, and the positions we got into. Um, and the penalty and, call. Well, and the penalty call. But I mean, ultimately, I think that was correct. I think I think eventually, by accident, they got to the right decision. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to complain when that happens. Uh, I, I was just happy that a referee, a referee's first instinct was to give us a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first one. <laughs> Normally, if they give us a penalty, they do it with such uh, like, oh, reluctance. If I have to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he didn't hesitate at all. Unfortunately, he got it wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you could see why he got it wrong from his position. But anyway, um, but then, yeah, a well-worked set piece. Uh, the oh impact God, of our set piece coach is finally being seen. That was so planned. I mean, my commentator was just thrilled with that. You can, he was like going when the replays were shown. He was like, you can see that Chaka is here and he's uh, guarding the play and Lacazette is uh, keeping Evans. So this is definitely, you know, played in the, in training a few times. And yeah, definitely it was looked really, really, really good. 
It was a good header as well, I thought. Very well, <laughs> very well directed. I mean, obviously it was it was the run into the space that was there that created the chance. But I thought it was actually a technically very good header from David Luiz to it he, he really and there was a player in front of him, I think, with going in with with a foot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was close enough to be a, like classed as your stereotypical brave header, because like mm. he wasn't. But nonetheless, um, yeah, he had to stoop to get it, and he, he directed the ball to where Schmeichel could not have got under any circumstances. And True. That's as much as you can ask for from anyone in that position. Definitely, uh, everything planned. Yeah. And and actually, it's it's sort of again indicative of the fact that David Luiz is on one of his quite good runs of form at the moment. And apparently, it's sort of that you know they'd never planned for him to play this much at this stage of this or this many games close together, you know. But because mm-hmm. of injuries elsewhere, they've had to keep playing him every game. And to his credit, for the most part, he's responding pretty well. I mean, he struggled a little against Man. No, he didn't play against Man City, did he? Um, no, did he? So. No. Holding was holding. Holding was holding. Was back into that one, wasn't he? Yeah. Holding struggled. That's it. I knew someone struggled. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he. But he's basically been pretty good since he's been back in the team. Uh, which means you're you're always kind of thinking, oh God, he's been good for a when? few games. When's it coming? <laughs> 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 Not against Olympiakos. Um, <laughs> But obviously, you know, that was just reward, as you were saying. And um, yeah, I guess by that stage, we were starting to feel a bit more confident. And then, of course, uh, this time, the ref didn't want to give a penalty. And then, Yeah, that was a really, really odd one. I mean, how? why was what even needed for that? It was, I mean, also, what was Ndidi doing? <laughs> it's like a like handball goalkeeper. Yeah, but like his, like, yeah. I mean, it's just his arms were so far away from his body. <laughs> it's like, it's like there is, like, even under the old rules from years ago, there's no way if that hits your arm in that position, it's not going to be a penalty. Yeah. So why put your arms there? <laughs> <laughs> and why not give it as a penalty right away? Yeah. No, yeah that was very strange. That was very strange. Maybe. Maybe the first one, maybe when he was looking at the screen for the first one, he got a, a reminder, you know, <laughs> don't be so keen next time. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, they were paying attention and spotted, fairly, well, relatively quickly that how obvious it was. I mean, if that wasn't given, I, we should definitely walk off, walk off the pitch. <laughs> well, indeed, he didn't exactly look too shocked, did he, when the penalty was given? <laughs> No. He, he he wasn't he wasn't surrounding the referee in protest or anything. He looked he just yeah. looked a bit sheepish, uh, and a very very well taken penalty from our now standing but striker who's been pretty good goal scoring form this season. Captain on the day. Captain of the day, yes, indeed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, two set piece goals in the, in the first half to to turn around the, the match after conceding early. I mean, is that really Arsenal? <laughs> Sounds a bit more like Benfica, but anyway. <laughs> um, so, and obviously that was a great time to score because just like the aforementioned Portuguese team, it was right on the stroke of half-time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just and, perfect timing. And even more perfect was the fact we really didn't have to wait very long to, to, to get the third goal and, and sort of put the game into a comfortable position. 
yeah. it was quite a nice goal wasn't it it definitely was yeah it was really a nice goal and again a team team goal mm. it was nice to see Edegard involved yeah and a lovely pass from him you know I'm not sure the play panned out quite how it was kind of like full of it was a move full of really good play but I'm not sure any of it was exactly what people were planning but it still had the right <laughs> it uh, worked <laughs> yeah exactly um and again you know a bit like Willian finding Pepe in the center was it was he trying to pick him out or you know you couldn't quite <laughs> yeah, tell when it was come when it was going to Willian I was started to think okay maybe that was a bit past too much <laughs> like they will something will happen here it will go corner or the goalkeeper will save it or oh yeah like little face <laughs> <laughs> My sister then asked me, uh, why are Arsenal always trying to walk it in? <laughs> like, See, wow. look, that's why. <laughs> I said, we are not doing that all the time. <laughs> no, we used to do that all the time. Yeah. That's when we were good. <laughs> teams, Just teams roll that, my eyes on that. Teams, teams that get accused of walking, wanting to walk the ball into the net tend to be the teams who are good enough to be able to do that. <laughs> that's, so that's not a been Arsenal for a few years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, definitely a good, good goal and, and a good, good time. And sad. I mean, you would. I was kind of expecting a few more goals. Got a little bit cocky after yeah. that because I, I, I had a feeling I tweeted about it that Leicester were playing with ten men. It's just, I felt like that. I mean, obviously, they, as I said, they didn't have Madison at all. And then they lost Harvey Barnes, who was really uh, doing well and was uh, one of their key players in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, I think that we were definitely. Yeah, definitely. We were all over them. It looked really fantastic. And it's really frustrating that we didn't score (laughs) at least one more goal. (laughs) Wow. I mean, as long as the opposition don't look like they're going to score, I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> I'm asking for too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby steps, baby steps. They give you one finger and you want the whole hand. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, looking at the match stats, it's Leicester gave away 15 free kicks and we gave away three. Yeah, I think that it was it was zero until like 60 or so minutes for us. It's just yeah. really fantastic. And I mean, on the side that they were just, I was really frustrated with the referee, especially in the first half, how he didn't card a few Leicester players who were just, you know, tormenting Pepe on the side there. Well, I mean, Leicester, I'm sure Lee would back us up on this one, but uh, I think over the last three years, I think there's been two seasons where Leicester have been the team who've been able to get away with the most fouls without getting cards. <laughs> so they've got, you know, uh, I suppose it's because they're they're quite good at not doing like really bad fouls. They just do lots of them. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I think it was either last or the year before where literally they had to give away three times as many free kicks as us to get a yellow card. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they had... Two or three yellow cards. They had, a, they had two. Much. They had two. One and we had, we one. had one. Yeah, one. One, one was the young, one of the was young left back who got taken off early for them, and the other one was Tielemans got booked. Although I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I think that uh, Brent Rogers was getting a bit uh, worried about Thomas on the well, against Pepe. Yeah, exactly. Pepe was just 
doing what we all hoped he would do when we signed him. Um, and it was interesting to see Pepe again being back on the right because obviously Saka was rested and being so effective on the right as well because we were starting to question whether that was, you know, how much of his improvement was due to a positional change and how much of it down the centre of things. I guess the only negative is what, fingers crossed, appears to be a not particularly serious injury to Emil Smith-Rowe. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, even though it was what, a bit late in the first half, yeah, it was. It was not long before half time. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I was a, I was really happy to say that to see that the Arteta and the team uh, decided to make a substitution right away instead of you know keeping him on and waiting until half time. Yeah, no pissing about. He's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too important to the player. Well, it's also you know we have due to the loan system got a guy ready made to play in that position and, yeah. and, and and has been integrating into the team well um, which is obviously why there's been lots of news reports coming out of Spain about how Real Madrid don't want to send him under any circumstances whatsoever because they think somehow having him is going to allow them to buy Erling Haaland um, <laughs> which sounds like the usual bumping the price up but we'll see see what happens with that as we go on um, but other than that just a really kind of apart from the opening, fairly calm, satisfying victory, which is not something we get to say all that often. Particularly Especially away from in home. Premier League. Yeah, particularly away from home in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, definitely a pleasing one. Many players had a really good, good match. I mean, obviously, as I said, the early goal with Mari not reacting really well, but he really looked better during the, the match and especially when he was uh, running with Vardy and got the ball off him without getting a fall mm. or a card or anything like that. I was getting a bit worried, you know. <laughs> it looked like classic send-off and uh, penalty or or, some, or anything like that. But, yeah, it was really smart, smart tackle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got a habit, Padma, of, like, starting... I mean, he hasn't played that much for us, so it's understandable, and he's often been coming back from slight injuries. But he has quite a few times for us not started great in the first few minutes and then sort of got better as the game's gone on, which is, I suppose, as I say, for the reasons I mentioned, not, not remotely surprising. Um, I think, regardless of what anyone thinks about the player, I think it's very important for Arsenal that Willian's rehabilitation continued. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, the more, the more yeah. that he can be a usable player for us rather than someone that everyone's got, you know, worried about them coming on I mean that's obviously a, a, a big boost and obviously Arteta will be very happy because it makes everyone slightly less angry with him <laughs> <laughs> smug face <laughs> exactly <laughs> you see I told you and it actually we and I think even before that game may have been our third highest assist of this season so mm. <laughs> with two more assists does that, that say a lot about him or about our other players <laughs> Uh, a little from column A and a little from column B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a really good match for him and Arteta was bigging him up during the whole week. Yeah. Uh, made you feel like, yeah, he'll definitely start against Leicester, but still was a bit of a you know, oh, shock. <laughs> but yeah, definitely showed that he, that Arteta was right to trust him with that. And I really hope that this won't be uh, like like that fuller match at the start, start of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah but more of a trend than... I mean, yes. You can't expect a player to have 
great matches every single time, week in, week out. It's it's normal to have bad days and all, but I really hope that this is a sign for of of better times for for William and for us with him in the team. Well, I mean, there's certainly one thing that's that's been clear, which we already knew really when he signed for us, which is he is our best set piece taker in terms of you know corners or free kicks from wide positions, which is kind of what we thought. In- in terms of beating the first first man, yeah, and and you know, <laughs> I think he's got three assists from corners or free kicks, or you know, or there's certainly one from a corner, one from that free kick, and then the one for Gabriel against was it Wolves? I forget the game. The game we lost two one, where he his corner was clear, but he put then put it straight onto Gabriel's head. Um, yeah, Wolves. Yeah. yeah um, which again we have we haven't seen very much from from most or other players this year. <laughs> um, so yeah, as you say, that it was like quite a relaxing victory, uh, particularly when the news came out that it doesn't look like Smith Rowe's uh, injury is anything significant. So just a kind of quite calm week in Arsenal world, which is kind of <laughs> a rarity. Um, yeah, no midweek matches. Yeah, yeah. Two wins in a row. It could be worse. <laughs> well, we've got Burnley away at the weekend. How do we feel about that? Yeah, they, they were really thumped by Spurs <laughs> in the last round. It looked, oh, it looked like uh, we will definitely draw nil nil. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it would be very, very Arsenal. But Well, of course, the greater yeah. priority that week is going to be the Olympiacos game, particularly as we've got Olympiacos, Tottenham Hotspur, Olympiacos. So you've got to think Arteta is going to be thinking that those three games are possibly more important than Burnley away and uh, the West... Well, then it's West Ham away after the, after the second Olympiacos. Yeah, also a tricky one. Yeah, I mean, West Ham. Who would have thought? Who would say? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they keep... They're on a really good run. Moyes is back. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously though, they're, they're they're you know they're ahead of Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, and Everton, and no one would have said that at the start of the season. Yeah, uh, and us, of course, but you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's better not to look at the Premier League table. <laughs> I saw. I was watching the presser uh, after Leicester. Uh, and some uh, journalists asked Arteta about chances for top four at the end of this season. And I was like, really? Seriously, dude? <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, sure, we won two matches. We look better and perhaps, you know, we look like what Arteta is trying to play and how he's trying to get these players to work together and all that. But... I mean, I'm an optimist, but I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> eight, eight points of eight points off top four, or or thirteen points it's, off it's, top three. <laughs> it's, not, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. I mean, weird things have happened, and this is a really weird season. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at, the, at everything, but I mean, Liverpool will have to pick up a form at one point. Yeah. Chelsea are looking good to hell is doing okay Everton are always you know uh, you know never know really exactly with them <laughs> I think that West Ham will probably drop in form as it, as it goes Leicester I'm not so sure I'm still hoping that United will drop in form <laughs> it's funny isn't it though that you know it's a reflection of both the season and 
how it's been for the team I'm going to mention. But who would have thought that you could say Arsenal in the in the midst of their worst league season in what twenty six years would would be uh, six points behind Liverpool at this stage of the season, given the season Liverpool yeah. had last year. It's mad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we're the champions. Yeah, it's really... I mean, it's it's just... isn't. I mean, I'm going to sound like very cliche now, but it's where we like football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think that when the season started, you were thinking, oh, Liverpool definitely have a really good chance to to defend the title and go far in Champions League and all because their team just worked so well. They looked good. They were just a really... Klopp did a really fantastic job with them. And then injury here, injury there. They had like 17 or so uh, centre-back pairings this season. Yeah. Just mind-blowing. I mean, that's just something that, that happens, that it's hard to predict. And then you have uh, Tottenham who were looking fantastic. Everyone was like, oh, this is their season. They will ah, go. Told you it was never going to happen. And- I told you on this. <laughs> I told you on this podcast it was never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm thinking that maybe uh, Saint Tottenham's day is a bit more likely this season than top four. It is, well, it is more likely than top four, yes, because we've only got to jump, <laughs> jump ahead of them to do it, as opposed to about seven other teams. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just and and in Premier League, especially when. Everyone can beat anyone on any given day. It's hard to predict. So, I mean, if you take City out of the equation, they are really on a fantastic form. And yeah, yeah. I don't mind them winning the title. It's the the least of, of the big evils in front of us. But well, it's also it's nice for them to get what they paid for. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... It is extraordinary how Liverpool have, have tailed off because it, even without Van Dijk, they were keeping it together pretty well and still looking like they, you know, could they still mm-hmm. have been in the title race without him, you know? But the wheels have really come off. I mean, I, their run of form's not as bad as ours was earlier, but it's not much better. In, yeah. in recent. And of course, we're uh, we're in the we're in the we're in the in the top four in the uh, since Christmas table, aren't we? So yeah. Yeah, exactly. what you can get. Since since we suddenly realised that that having you know one more person in the opposition half might help us. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, when you look at the matches that we lost with against uh, Villa and uh, Wolves, in particular, City, we won't mention because that's a whole different match. But those two matches, we were a better team and could have easily, you know. I don't know. I think the Villa, things I, work, but I think the Villa game. Yeah, that, that one was really bad. That one was yeah, really yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Wolves and United match, I mean. Well, and particularly the Leicester game that we mentioned before as well. Yeah, it does. Uh, where, yeah. where I, I still look at it and don't know how we really lost the game. <laughs> to- totally mugged, as the phrase uh, phrase goes. Um, and of course, the, the ultimate mugging we've had this season was the home defeat to Burnley. Where Burnley managed mm. to beat us without having an attempt on goal, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of like that reminds me of that game we lost. It reminded me of that game we lost a few years ago to Man United at home, where Man United scored three times with two shots. 
because we scored two own goals. <laughs> um, yeah, but, like, particularly that one own goal, which hit like three Arsenal players on the same, like they wanted to go across, I think, and hit Gibbs and someone else and someone else and then went in. And it was like, yeah. the fuck? But anyway. That's the kind of luck we will never get. Uh, well, or at least if we do get it, we will choose not to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Burnley, Burnley away. What are you thinking? Hmm, I said uh, nil nil earlier, but let's go. Let's be optimistic and go with uh, two nil. Two let's nil. do that. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I was tempted to go for my usual, but I'm going to go for three one. Oh. <laughs> Because I was thinking two 0 but I couldn't possibly say the same thing as you. So, oh, <laughs> but you know, you you earn the right to go first. So, um, I mean, I do, we won't talk about it very very long because I don't not sure there's too much we can conclude from it at this stage. But obviously, you did mention early the the Martinelli situation. Dun dun dun. Uh, I mean, yeah. what, what's your thoughts? I I was already watching. <laughs> Sorry, I was watching the Stevens video for uh, Benfica match mm. uh, analysis. Yeah, really enjoying them, by the way. So really nice insight on the match and everything. Check them out here. <laughs> when he said something that really stood stick stick to my brain, how when you are down in Europe trying to save the season. And you need an attacking player, and you have Martinelli on the bench, and the manager isn't turning to to you, to Martinelli, to go on and turn the match and win the match, and then not use him again uh, in Leicester match when we were rotating and we looked comfortable. When even if you're not too sure in his abilities or his fitness or whatever it is, you don't put him in and you don't play him. Just I'm just really not sure. What think about this situation? Why that? What does it mean? Is Ateta giving up on him? Is he not uh, performing well in training? He is on the bench, but he doesn't get to feature. When I think that there might be some chances. Yeah, it's an interesting one because that that's the sort of impression you could get. But then equally, if you remember in the first game against Benfica, who came off the bench for Abameyang, mm-hmm. is Martinelli at centre forward. And and Arteta's, you know, very publicly saying good things about Martinelli to anyone who will listen. So clearly he has a long-term belief in the player, but I think you're right, there may be a lack of a short-term belief. And whether that's related to him coming back from injury or whether it's just the fact that Martinelli, part of Martinelli's brilliance, particularly under Emery, was being this slight sort of force of nature uh, who would just go and do his thing. And maybe with Arteta trying to build particular patterns of play, Martini hasn't, hasn't quite worked out how to fit into that structured way of attacking. That I mean, whether we like it or not, that seems to be what Arteta does. Uh, or maybe it's just the fact that since Martinelli's got fit, Aubameyang's been playing at centre forward, or has been or has found a bit of form, and maybe it's more to do with the fact that. Arteta doesn't quite know how to use them together. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'd like to think there's scope for using them together because I think that would give you more 
positional rotation and flexibility. But I guess you know, the fact that uh, Arteta's been playing Smith-Rowe on the left makes you suggest that he's putting a greater emphasis on ball retention and uh, controlled play. Whereas Martin, Martinelli is never going to have amazing ball retention figures because he does everything full out, you know, <laughs> whether brilliant or whether not so much, he's always going for it. Um, so it's going to be one we have to keep an eye on. I, I'm not worried yet, just because I think it's been unfortunate for Martinelli, but since Martinelli's got fit, uh, Aubameyang's found form, Pepe's rediscovered his form, and Lacazette's been playing pretty well most of the time. And those essentially are most for the most, you know, st- stylistically, they're going to be the guys he's competing with. If Arteta's put playing Smith Rowe on the left, he wants a different kind of player. So that's that doesn't really say anything about Martinelli. It just means that he wants a player that offers what Smith Rowe does, which is, as I say, continuity, link play, uh, interchanges, and ability to support teammates, which is not. Martinelli's skill set at all. Um, but we did see against, uh, was it against Man United when Martinelli was taken off? I mean, admittedly, he wasn't as far back in his fitness then, but he was taken off for Willian and actually the team slightly improved in that game. And that was despite the fact that Martinelli made a couple of brilliant defensive interventions. And later analysis, you know, by people who are more learned about this than me and also have the time in their lives to re-watch games several times, which I don't have at this point in time, um, pointed out the fact that actually Martinelli, in his great desire to help the team, was dropping back too far and actually doing too good of a defensive job. But that made it easier for United to progress down that side because we weren't offering enough going the other way. In a way, Martinelli mm-hmm. being with the very best of intentions, wasn't really doing what the team needed. Um, so maybe it's maybe Arteta's trying to I- invest time in giving him greater tactical intelligence to use alongside his undoubted ability and drive and uh, character, which we the qualities he's shown. Uh, he's shown yeah. before. And maybe there's that sort of that tactical rawness, which you would expect given that you know, before he came to Arsenal, he was playing in the fourth division in Brazil. And Brazil Brazil is so, such a sort of tactically advanced league that you know, Jorge Jesus, who's, who's the current manager of Benfica, looked like a revolutionary genius managing <laughs> um, just by playing the same tactics that people have been playing in Europe for the previous decade. Um, so maybe it's just trying to give him a, a, a greater tactical sophistication. But equally, we saw him start against Man City in the League Cup and we saw him start against Man United. So, you know, two games which Arteta wanted to win against very good opponents. So mm-hmm. is it that he's worried about his fitness? Is it that it's tactical discipline? Is it that he's trying to create a different sort of style? Is it that uh, he thinks that Martin is going to work better against teams where we actually we have less of the ball? Um, we, we don't know. We don't know. But everything oh, but says, like a mix of those. Yeah, yeah. It could be. Uh, it could be mixed. Could be any one of those things. But I, I don't. I think Arteta still has big things in mind for Martinelli, just from the way he's spoken about him. You know, he's he's. I think Arteta sees Martinelli a, a bit like the way he saw Saka and the way he sees Pepe to a degree. 
uh, although Pepe's ink's so inconsistent, it's harder to, to do that. But it, as being like a project that like this person has has the tools to be amazing, but I want them to be amazing in a certain way or a certain type of, of way. And right now they don't have to do that. And how how quickly they adapt to that will determine how quickly they get to have a proper run in the team. Because the way he talks about Martinelli was incredibly similar to the way that people were talking you know, about Raheem Sterling, for instance. Mm. Very similar language, you know, slightly different qualities, but very similar language in terms of about, you know, needs to tune up on this and the other, but basically is really, really, you know, has and then has all these virtues. So I, I'm optimistic on that front. And frankly, it would be incredibly stupid of Arteta not to kind of try and plan a long-term future for this guy because he has a, a great resource at his disposal there that, is very, very highly thought of. So politically, it would be stupid and also it'd be a waste of that great resource. And it's not like, it's not like Martinelli's got the Genduzi thing of basically being a bit of a prick. <laughs> everyone <laughs> yeah, who talks he looks about, like a good guy. Yeah, everyone who talks about Martinelli talks about him being how hardworking he is, how humble he is, how professional he is, how dedicated he is. You never hear anything bad about him at all, apart from sometimes he tries too hard for his own good. Um, <laughs> whereas Genduzi's starting to, piss off people in Berlin a little bit now. Um, <laughs> no longer automatic first first choice there as he, as he was earlier in the season. Shocking turn of, of events. Yeah, yeah. So it would be interesting to see when, when some of the people on the internet finally realise that maybe, maybe the coach might have had some idea what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to go, oh, Ursula's gone to Fenerbahce and he's not ripping it up. Even though <laughs> Turkish League's not that great. Maybe it wasn't a huge fucking conspiracy. <laughs> Football reasons, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, um, it all evens out in the end. Huh? Well, I mean, it's just that thing of we all. Everyone likes to have a, an opinion, of course, and that's what that's what sport being a sports fan is. You want to have an opinion. You want to get something emotionally engaged in, but. Ultimately, the people making the decisions always have access to more information than you do. Now, that doesn't mean you have to trust them blindly, but equally, you have to always stop and think, what do they know that I don't? <laughs> and ultimately, while we needed someone in Ozil's position, and, that, and the fact we weren't playing that position might have been part of the reason why we didn't see more of Ozil, Equally, it's clear that he had stopped being able to influence games in the way that he had previously. You know, even when he was playing. Yes. Um, yeah. And you know, I don't, and I don't slag Ozil off by saying that. You know, he's had back injuries. He's, you know, he's possibly suffered a, a lack of a slight lack of hunger with the whole everything Germany thing. And, and you know, he's a player on the downward spiral of his career. He's been playing at the el- absolute elite level since he's about nineteen or twenty. It happens, you know. We we've seen it with loads of times before, and not 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 everyone can be like Ronaldo and Messi and keep being brilliant to whatever age. Yeah, some players. They're ex- exception to the rule. Yeah, and and to be honest, it, back injuries are a fucker. Um, <laughs> you know, it, if if he was having genuine generally having back injuries, and I suspect his back injuries may have been slightly worse than I let on. You know, if you get something which is maybe causing you a trapped nerve or sciatica, or you know, that's an absolute killer for a player. Uh, you just can't do certain, you know, and also just mobility, and particularly for a player like us, who relied so much on mobility to be effective. We all think about his delicious passes, but 
his best skill was always being able to find places to be where their opponents weren't. Um, and it's hard to do that if you can't run around very much. Nice rant about Teresa. I didn't think we would get to hear many of those. He's <laughs> <I was> <laughs> hey, the ghost of the machine, kids. <laughs> I stopped thinking about him until there was that the start going around recently about his uh, ratings in last few matches on who scored, which was really really poor. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's that, that's the second time I thought about him since he left. So and equally, like uh, you know, other play not many apart from a, a certain few that we will choose not to mention for the sake of our own emotional well-being. <laughs> not many players leave Arsenal and go on to better things unless they're people who were like kids when they were Arsenal and they got a chance. You know, yeah. Most players, first-team players, true. leave Arsenal, even though we have a couple of painful exceptions, don't do better elsewhere. And that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's probably all we've got to say about most things unless you've got anything else you want to talk about Anita quickly before we go no I think that we really went through everything that I wanted to discuss with you <laughs> I mean as you we'll have a mo more to talk about after Burnley match yeah it's not been a heavy news week uh, and uh, that's yeah. pretty good for the sake of everyone's sanity and also for the running time of this podcast so uh, there, there was some that rumor uh, that Barcelona want want Arteta, just to um, mention it, just to put it out it's, there. <laughs> it's Barcelona presidential election time. Uh, they yeah, do this shit classic. every time. And there's also the, there's also the endless rumors about choose choose your team is going to buy Hector Bellerin and we're going to buy choose your right back as a replacement because uh, <laughs> because we promised Hector that if he stayed for one more year we'd let him go, and maybe we did. Um, yeah, maybe. But ultimately, uh, it's fairly pointless speculation simply because it's so far off and so much could happen between, you know, between now and the summer. So I'm going to think about that. Plenty um, of time to go. Then there will be hundreds of more gossip, much weirder than this one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we keep on hearing the kind of oh, Lacazette, no new contract, he's leaving in the summer. I mean, it'd be logical if that be the case. But that still relies on him being willing to leave and someone being willing to buy him. So let's wait mm -hmm. and see what happens. Exactly. All right, listeners, well, thanks for sticking with us for this one. I hope you've enjoyed, uh, the, well, at least some of it and found bits interesting and entertaining and relatable in all those lovely other words <laughs> that we uh, will aspire to. And more importantly, I hope that you all have a lovely week uh, and that we win at the weekend. And so this nice feeling can continue. And we can even think yeah. again, as Anita mentions, about St. Tottering's Day <laughs> being a, a rather more of a possibility. Yeah, uh, so, that would be fantastic. So on that note, thanks again to Anita. Always great to have you on. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah, it was nice to chat about two wins in a row. I know. I know. It's been so long. <laughs> and yeah, have a lovely week all. Take care of yourselves. And we'll speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye.